Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Today, Craig Malonsaw and Danny Reed. Danny, how are you this evening? Doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. It's not often we get well. It's the first time we've gotten to chat in the evening since uh, you and Colin and Jay were here at the house on uh, on, on the weekend that you, the Cajuns and the Eagles played. So, And this is going to be a different perspective because usually we know where the RPI is on Monday mornings and we know where the national rankings are on Monday mornings. I don't know if the Eagles are still going to be top 25 by tomorrow. I would think they've still got a chance, at least in some polls, going two and three this week and dropping the series against Coastal. But this this was an interesting Sunday because there wasn't a whole lot of offense around the league. And that's different for game threes because teams pitching and defense usually gets a little bit suspect by the time you get to the end of the weekend. And especially in Statesboro, pulling out a 3-2 win to get the finale, a, a win the Eagles badly needed just to say it was a win, not necessarily how they did it. But it, it's definitely reclogged up the top of the standings after it looked like we were going to get a clear separation between maybe the top four and the, and the rest of the league. Well, it's, it's one of those weekends, like you said, there were a lot of close games uh, on Sunday, which is unusual. But I'm looking, uh, you know, you still had one, two, three three series, three of the six series that were one-run one series on Friday night, So, which is which you expect closer games there on Friday evening. Yeah. So uh, let's jump right in it. Um, let's look at this uh, ULM Little Rock, uh, the battle of the – hell, I don't know. <laughs> I don't – they're not in last place, but they're fighting for it, so – um, what did you notice from that? I mean, Little Rock has their, has their Friday night guy and the Cajuns are going to face them to close the regular season. So. Yeah. With, I think we talked about this in a prior episode, but Little Rock having a true number one and Hayden Arnold, who was the pitcher of the year in this league last year, that's going to give them a chance to win every single game one and out of their bullpen, there's not a whole lot of depth, but with Sawyer Smallwood, he does give you an option that if you go to him in game one, depending on how much you use him, that's somebody that you could go back to in game three. But something today that Little Rock did that Mike Hammett, the great voice at ULM, told me about, the Trojans started Haas Brewer in game two. They used him in the bullpen today. Wow. Because he only threw two and a third innings in game two. So clearly not enough pitches and not to a point where they felt that he got his work in, but they brought him out of the bullpen. He actually got the win in game three as Little Rock came back. They walked it off to sweep the series. ULM was at 1.32 and one in conference play. Now they've lost 12 of their last 15. There's a couple of sweeps mixed in there. They're still in ninth place, a half game ahead of App State for 10th. You've got UT Arlington and Arkansas State that are, in, I guess, tied for 10th and 12th, even though Arlington did take two of three from Arkansas State to make sure that they weren't the bottom team. And I, I wonder what's going to happen down the stretch, because especially for Little Rock, that's a team that's going to host Georgia Southern in two weeks. They've got to go to Coastal this week, and then they finish the season at Teague Moore Field. So I wonder, despite that 9-11 and 11 record, if that's going to be enough now to give them a shot to be in the top 10 and just be able to get to the tournament period. But for ULM, the, their pitching keeps letting them down. It seems like they have a lot of trouble to score when they've got guys at second and third base. And it's unfortunate because Jay and I both agree on this. We really thought that ULM was a team that 
was going to be difficult to play this year, and especially if they got hot the right time like they did last year, that's not a team you want to see in the tournament because of how much speed they have and how they can score in bunches. It would not surprise me if the two teams, Little Rock and UTA, are the two teams left out of the tournament, though, and the two teams that are leaving the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah. I mean, that – I mean – I, I won't say scripted any better. I mean, but that's not a good way you want to leave your conference. You kind of want to make some noise and say, hey, thanks for kind of not not giving me the boot, but thanks for showing me the door. So here we're going to take down your whole damn conference. Well, it's, especially if you're a Little Rock, if you're going to the OVC, Arlington is going back to a league that it was in before it got to the Sun Belt and the WAC. You'd like to have some kind of momentum. Both head coaches have been in this league for a while. Darren Thomas is highly respected at UT Arlington. I know this is probably the worst year that they've had since he took over. And then with Chris Curry at Little Rock, he took them from the depths and brought them back to a team that's always going to be a threat offensively. And it always seems like they've got at least a couple of guys that can pitch. And mentioned that Georgia Southern's got to go out there in a couple of weeks. Have not been there since 2018. Excited to see some of the things that they've done to the ballpark since the Eagles were last there four years ago. But we'll get to next weekend's series. But Troy just swept Georgia State, so that's that's a series that deserves the Eagles' full attention. And they've got semester exams this week, so no midweek games. They'll get a chance to take care of some things academically and probably rest, which is needed right now because of all the travel that they've had. And then coming off of a five-game week, it seemed like they might have been a little bit fatigued this week, dropping three of the five games. But this is probably a well-timed no midweek with guys having exams and then get right back to it on Friday against Troy. Yeah, UTA is a team that uh, they've had success, but they've had success through uh, transfers and and in uh, junior college guys. But it doesn't it doesn't seem to have worked out this year. It looks like you know, that's always you're playing with fire when you go transfers. I know it's been heavy on the pitching staff under DT, and I know that's just how they've done it. But outside of Cason Gregory and Boone Montgomery in that lineup, you don't really recognize anybody. I know Oscar Ponce had a big home run against Coastal last weekend. They probably should have won that Friday game. They went into the bottom of the ninth inning with a one-run lead. Coastal came back and walked off. And then they were up in the sixth inning in game three, but bullpen just couldn't hold it. It, it seems like they backed themselves into a situation where David Moffat is all they have out of their pen. He threw two more times this past weekend. He got – the final nine outs to beat Arkansas State, so they won that series. But it, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of trust with anybody else in that Arlington bullpen, and we know how good they were last year, but now you've got two of those guys in the rotation with King and Wong as your one and two, and Winquest was somebody that was in the weekend rotation before, had some elbow issues a few years back, went from the midweek back to the weekend. So it seems like if they've got a lead in the later innings, Moffitt's going to be the guy they go to but they need to make sure their starting pitching can get somewhere between 15 and 18 outs just to give them a chance. Yeah, it, it's – I'm a little surprised that they were able to take uh, to, to, to take two out of three from Arkansas State. But, hey, they got it done. I, I'm, I thought Arkansas State was – it was on their upswing as they normally do at this time of year. But um, UTA is not what they've been in the past – Georgia State, Troy, how surprised are you there? What is that, 12 straight conference games now for the uh, Panthers? And I think it's lost? nine straight. They started 10-2. and two. They're now 10-11. and 11. That's been nine okay. straight when you factor in the three in Statesboro, the three against you guys, and then the three at Troy. I, I was surprised that they didn't get at least one of those games. But seeing how they've had to rearrange 
their pitching has definitely changed the last couple of weekends, but D'Angelo Boo didn't play at all for Georgia State, so they moved Luke Boynton to second base, and that's 6'6", 240. That's playing second base. That's maybe the biggest second baseman outside of a creative player on a video game that I've ever heard of. They've switched their shortstop and third baseman. Will Ch- or I'm sorry, Griffin Chaney played third base today. Trent Reddick, who's been getting most of the starts at third, he is back at shortstop. The outfield looks to be the same, but they just couldn't get the outs when they needed to late. I think today they had about a two-hour rain delay and a lightning delay. But Caleb Bartolero had the big hit in the eighth inning, drove in a couple of runs. State got a home run in the ninth, but a guy that in Shrimp that had only thrown once all year for Troy came in and got five strikeouts over the last two and two-thirds innings. So they get the sweep, and they're coming to Statesboro next weekend. They've got a midweek game, though, against Sanford. But the benefit is that Georgia Southern gets a chance to rest those tired bones. But they're going to get a Troy team that record-wise is a scotch better than Georgia Southern, but in the conference – the Eagles are 15 and six and Troy is 13 and eight, but I'm guessing that Troy is going to look at that one very, very closely. And they may have to change their pitching because their starter in on game one, Garrett Gaines left after one pitch on Friday and looked like he had an arm issue. And if he's out for an extended period of time, that throws a big wrench into their pitching plans. Now, I, I don't know how serious it was, but it was serious enough that Skyler Mead came out, removed him after two innings, plus that one pitch he threw in the third. He was flexing his fingers a lot, trying to – I don't know if he was trying to get some feeling back or what it was. Barry McKnight and Jerry Miller were very surprised at what had happened as well. But if he happens to be out for a while, that affects them immensely, even though they've moved Rigsby Mosley, their all-conference outfielder, into the rotation as well. So that, that's, that's really something to watch for Troy these last few weeks. What do you do, though, if it's you? Do you do you leave your t- pitching rotation where you are and then try to, although they're not that far out of first place, do you try to, you know, to, to go with and get the other two games and, and maybe I won't say surrender Friday night? What's your thoughts? My guess is they're going to stick with their true freshman, Brady Fuller, to go in game one, and this could be totally off base, but he came in for Gaines and was really good through four scoreless in that game against Georgia State. Mosley has slid into the number two spot, and it's crazy to think that because he's such a good outfielder. But Skyler Mead is a pitching guy. He spent time at South Carolina and Michigan State, and he got a look at Mosley throwing the ball and thought, why don't we try him as a pitcher? And he's actually become one of the better options. He had eight strikeouts in game two, so he's got a fastball off-speed changeup working. It, it, it doesn't sound right for somebody that's been the league's leading hitter just – in 2019 and one of the top players in this league but to put him in their rotation he hasn't skipped a beat I would guess he stays game two and then the Peyton Fuller the other Fuller would probably still throw game three they took Bay Witcher out of the rotation a couple of weeks back and he's primarily been out of the bullpen their pitching has improved but when you take somebody like Gainus out of that there's an immediate thought of how are we going to rearrange how are we going to make up for this We'll have to check on his status, but the indications are that it, it may not be something that's very good for Troy, but we'll have to get full confirmation on that by the time next week rolls around. South Alabama at Texas State. I, I don't think I, w- I was su- too much surprised in the first two games. Uh, 10-2 victory for uh, Texas State and 11-10 on Saturday. Um, Texas State is really good, can really hit the ball at their park. Um South Alabama, though, uh, ha- has had some pitching woes of, a, well, I guess for the last four or five weeks, but still Sunday's game 21 to eight. 
I mean, South Alabama victory. I mean, when you first saw that, you almost thought it should have been flipped because it, 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 that's what uh, Texas State did to Little Rock last week, wasn't it? Yeah, they had yeah 30 runs the week before. But always with baseball, it seems like if you do it, it's going to work its way back around against you. And that game is the reason why there's a bit of a jam at the top of the standings with South Al coming back and winning game three. That's why Georgia Southern is only two games out with three series left. That's why the Cajuns didn't drop a game. That's why they're still three out in third place. Coastal Carolina doesn't drop a game. Troy gains a game, though. That's why at 13 and eight, they're four games out. It would probably be tough for them to win a regular season, but somebody that I don't think has to worry about being a top 10 and or, or I don't think they would have to worry about being a top six. I mean, it, it, it's it's a little bit fishy with with Troy at 13 and eight. Then you got South Alabama and Georgia State at 10 and 11. But even so, you're three games clear, but there's still nine games left. So if you can just take care of your business, you're probably in that top six. And then seven through 10 have to play single elimination on Tuesday in Montgomery. But South Alabama busting out. It seems like they took out some frustration from probably Georgia Southern sweeping them in Mobile and then Texas State. The, 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 the game that was played on Saturday, Texas State was up 10-2. South Al rallies to tie the game at 10 in the top of the ninth, only to see Texas State walk off on a Pena single in the bottom half. So they know they won the series, but South Al gets 10 runs in the second inning today. They just kept on scoring because we know how Texas State is when the wind is blowing out at San Marcos, but they get the win. They run rule them. Only the fourth conference loss for the Bobcats and South Alabama is doing what it can to stay out of that seven through 10. So they wouldn't have to play in single elimination. If South can figure out its pitching, they're going to be all right. But they took Jojo Booker out of the rotation and Boswell got hit around. He gave up four runs in the first inning in game one. He's somebody that's got to be good for them now that he is the guy with Miles Smith likely comfortable in the bullpen for the rest of the year and Jeremy Lee out for the rest of the season. They've got to do it a very specific way. It's going to have to be Boswell, Learman, and Booker in some way. They're going to have to get Booker back in. They, they can't afford to have him not starting games. But if they can get back to where they were not that long ago, that's a team that will scare everybody once we get to the tournament. South Alabama, you mentioned Jeremy Lee the last two seasons, did not finish the season. Uh, I, I I would like to all, uh, ask JT Crabtree this, and I will at some point, but probably off the air versus on the air because I don't know how much he'll say about it on the air. Do you think he ever plays baseball again, though? I mean, is I mean, do you know much about the injury this year? I know a year ago, ironically, he suffered it against Georgia Southern because that night he gave up a couple of extra base hits. His velocity was way down. He was a guy that was low 90s last year but he was mostly 85 86 in that game against the Eagles he got taken out about two and two-thirds innings in and he didn't pitch the rest of the year I believe it was the elbow I don't want to speculate but from what I can remember it's the elbow that's given him problems similar to the problems that Jojo Booker had a couple of years ago and similar to the problems that Miles Smith had earlier this year when he had to skip a start after throwing whatever was 128 pitches at Teague Field in those eight innings but now at least they have him back out of the bullpen when you've got an elbow, you're basically looking at you got to be really careful with your maintenance. Otherwise, if you get surgery, you're probably down for at least a year. If it ends up being Tommy John or there's a new procedure where they simply move the nerve over, they don't have to take a ligament from another part of the body. They just move the nerve. They reposition the nerve to take the stress off of the elbow. If it's that, then maybe he's got a chance to go again. But that that's one that's got to be really delicate. And you feel for Lee because 
somebody that would be one of the best pitchers in this league if he was healthy, but that's something that Mark Calvi and staff are going to have to deal with from here forward. Yeah, I do. I mean, well, uh, it, it's tough to see that happen. Coach Robe used to talk about uh, jokingly, I believe, half jokingly maybe, uh, about that if, if, if you want your son to be a pitcher, have Tommy John surgery when they're first born and get that, let them grow into it that way versus waiting till the damage is done. So uh, not something I recommend though, but uh, Cajuns at App State. Cajuns came out and uh, busted out the bats on, on Friday and Saturday. I uh, think the game went a little longer on Saturday than, than liked and, and then early morning start this morning and drop that last game. But uh, you guys know well, though, uh, Georgia Southern did not sweep App State either. So uh, App State is not the best of teams, but also they're not the uh, worst of teams either. No, that, that, that is just their sixth conference win of the year. But right now they're tied with Arlington for 10th place. And those teams have not played each other yet. So things will still need to be sorted out over the final three weeks to see who's in the bottom two and who would miss. But what I noticed with App and that series finale, if you make mistakes, just like any other Division I team, they're going to be able to hit you. They got up early in that finale, and even though Georgia Southern tried to come back late, Eagles did not pitch it particularly well out of the bullpen that day and ended up losing the series finale. They took the series, which was awesome because you always value series victories on the road. I don't care who it is against. The, 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 that was surprising today to see that result because of how good Jeff Wilson has been in the number three role and Colin and I brought it up on our broadcast today that there's not very many teams that can say that they've got three true starters on the weekend. Coastal does now. And I think that's, what's going to make them tough. South Alabama would if they had everybody healthy and that everybody mentally right. But the Cajuns from a starting standpoint with Tally, with Schultz and with Wilson probably would have to be in serious contention to win the tournament just because you wouldn't have to worry about patching it together like so many other teams would once you get to that third game because if you're winning one you're guaranteed to have to play a third game with the double elimination format and knowing that you've got three healthy guys three fresh guys that can go you're not looking down the line if you only have two and saying okay we can get nine outs here six outs here and just trying to sew up the quilt that way but to see Jeff Wilson be very un-Jeff Wilson-like, even though App does have a capable offense, they haven't done a lot this year at home, though they're better than they are on the road. But to watch them knock it around, and as well as the Cajuns have played, what was it, 11 out of the last 12 or 10 out of the last 11 conference games that the Cajuns had won? Yeah. It, it's like Rodney Hennon has told us a couple of times this year, it's baseball. You yeah. do it to teams, eventually it's going to find its way to work its way back around. And even though it hurts to lose the finale, it's still something you got to celebrate when you take two or three on the road. Well, I, I think, uh, and, and I'm not just talking, when, when I say this, I'm not talking about our fans. I'm talking about all fans in general. And, and when it happens to your team, you never want to hear it. But oh, you, don't, you don't see it when it happens to the other team. You just think your team's playing great. And they may be. And from the looks of how your game went, it's probably very similar to what happened at Georgia Southern because the Eagles after those first two games in Boone clearly felt like they were the better team. Now, even though that second game was nothing, nothing going into the sixth, they got the hits when they needed the bullpen sewed it up from there, got the first two, but then in the finale, you had a home run from St. Laurent. You had a home run from Philip Cole. 
they've got guys that can hit. It's just that they're not consistent in doing so. And they do it mostly in that ballpark. It's a bigger park, but we know the ball flies there. At the same time, as hot as the Cajuns have been, it was probably bound to stop at some point. I know that nobody wants to hear that. And even for Georgia Southern, look, the Eagles won 15 of 17 at one point earlier this year. They came into the weekend number three in the RPI, but they lost three of their five games. So baseball has a way of bringing you back down to earth, probably more than any other sport. Now, Georgia Southern's got a chance against Troy this weekend to get the tires back on the asphalt. But I think that baseball is so amazing in that way that it forces you to take it one pitch at a time, one inning at a time, one game at a time. Because the second you start looking too far off into the distance, baseball is going to say, take care of what's in front of you. And Coastal was just better at doing that at Georgia Southern this weekend. And that just happened to get the Cajuns today. That's all it was. Well, for me, and, and I, I know no one wants to hear this either, uh, but sooner or later, the numbers are going to catch up with you. You've got UTA coming in this weekend. Again, not another uh, seller RPI team, but you rather lose that game on the road than you will at, would at home. And the likelihood of the Cajuns going through five sweeps in a row were just not going to happen. You know, baseball catches up with you. So uh, I'm never happy with a loss, but I guess if you want to look at the positive side of it, to me, that's, that's where you go. Okay, you, you, you got another time to start another streak this weekend. Correct. So uh, a series that I thought was excellent, uh, our final series, not excellent on, on, on the results for you guys, but at the same time, you had to have seen some good baseball. I got to catch uh, the last six innings today of you and Collins call, uh, but 5-4 uh, Friday night, 6-4 Saturday, and 2-3 today in the, in the Eagles' favor. With the drop in the first two games, baseball was there. I mean, and it's as much as we want to harass Coastal sometimes, it, it's good to see them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams we like to hassle, but hey, uh, you know, good, good, good. To, I thought it was a good series. Your thoughts on the league is better when the best programs are at their best. And if you're of another team, you're probably thinking differently, but the league is at its best when Coastal, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina are playing well. They just are. And Texas State, the fact that they are so good this year, they're trying for another regular season title. It would be their second in the last four seasons because they won it in 2019. You need your big programs to perform. And look, Coastal was not good last year. Their pitching suffered. They didn't have much of a bullpen. Offensively, they were not up to snuff. This is a different kind of coastal team. They're not bashing home runs like they usually do, but this is a team that grinds. And I think that offensively and pitching-wise, Georgia Southern got their best punch, and that's why they dropped two of the three. I think talent-wise, it was fairly even across the board. I think Georgia Southern, being at home, still should have been in position to win two of the games, but you've got to give Coastal credit because they pitched really, really well. Having those three starters with Van Scooter and Knorr and today with Parker going the seven innings and giving up just three runs, they've got a reason to give a lot of teams issues because they've got three capable guys that can not only start but give you five to seven innings. And that's very important in tournament play because arms are going to be taxed, bullpens are going to be stressed. That's simply the nature of conference tournament baseball in college. 
because with the double elimination format, you basically need more out of guys than they're typically used to getting. But game one on Friday, Georgia Southern had a multiple set of opportunities in the final couple of innings, just couldn't get that tying run across. They got the tie, got the fourth run in the eighth inning on a bouncing ball in front of the plate, turned into a fielder's choice. Christian Avan avoided the tag of the catcher, but ended up losing on a game-ending strikeout call. And then in game two, Jacob Maton came in to close it out, and he's somebody that his velocity has been down for a while because of Tommy John surgery. He missed two full years. They tried him as a starter, but now he's at the very back end. His velocity's back up. He was pretty impressive in getting those final four outs, and Coastal got the victory. The thing the Eagles didn't get those first two games that they've gotten so much this year is the two-out hit. Now, today, they only got one two-out hit, but it was a two-run home run by Austin Thompson in the fourth inning. Now, that gave the Eagles a one-run lead. Coastal tied it in the top of the seventh, but Noah Ledford came up and hit one over the monster in right field. It was his 11th, second time in as many games that he had gone deep. And the Eagle pitching, they got their first career start from Thomas Higgins. He had been out for three weeks because of injury. He was good over three innings. Anthony DeMola was really good over his four innings, the longest outing of his career out of the bullpen. And then lefty Danny Madden, who has been hit or miss, whether he's going to be on with his fastball or off with his curveball. It seems that if he's if one happens, that's how it goes. If the other happens, that's how that goes. But he was fabulous today out of the bullpen. Two innings scoreless. He struck out five. He got his first save. And a lot of times Colin and I talk about when you get wins, it's the way you get wins. But today it was simply that it was a win. It was number 29. You don't get swept. You probably stay in the top 25, even though I don't know what some polls are going to say by the time we get to Monday, but it seemed like it was a badly needed win for a team that split against Kennesaw in the midweek and then just did not want to get swept on their own home field against a team that was playing their best, but still you can't get swept on your home field. No, but, you know, you guys, I, I, it, I'm not a voter, but um, if I was to vote, I mean, you, you played two top 75 teams, RPI teams, and I know it's not official, but, you know, you got uh, Warren Nolan now, you know, Coastal Carolina over the weekend, plus 14 because of their games with y'all. And you did not, uh, you know, Georgia Southern did not drop a whole lot down to number eight. Uh, but still, top 10, got to be happy with that. I know you're not happy with, with losing two, but two close games. All well, three games were close. It, it, it definitely confirms that I know absolutely nothing about RPI. And even though we've talked about it as much as we have, I don't know why numbers go where they go with all the tabulation that takes place with what you do, what your opponents do and your opponents' opponents do. It's, it's something that we don't need to understand. We just need to look at the numbers and say, oh, okay, Georgia Southern's number eight. At this point, they would still be a candidate to host, but probably took a little bit of a hit dropping those two against Coastal. And you've still got three weeks left in the regular season. So there is a lot that is going to change. And who knows? I know Texas State's got to go on the road this weekend. They got to go to ULM and Look, that's a series that they probably should win. And in their minds, they probably should sweep it an inch closer to another regular season title. But as we have discovered, baseball is always going to baseball. And if you are not at the top of your game in this conference, and which I think is having a bounce back year and still has a chance to have at least three teams get in, if you're not there, if you're not playing your best, anybody's going to beat you. And I, and I agree. I think, I think the conference still has uh, the ability to get three teams in. Now I, you know, the, the, it takes a mathematician, a serious one, and better than I, to uh, to get all this RPI stuff down. But 
I, I know the, the, the standings there, you know, you only dropped three spots, but at the same time, you played a pretty good opponent. So I guess you'll be happy there. And even with Troy, and we'll get to next week's in a moment, but Troy is now a top 80 team again with that three-game sweep, and they're 28-14. and 14. And I know that they typically don't have a ferocious non-conference schedule. That's, that, that's, that's long been a thing with Troy. But if, if something is wrong with Gainus, that could really affect them. But that, that's a lineup that will still give you problems. They're doing it differently now. They've got their first baseman, Will Sullivan, who's about 6 feet 235, leading off at times. And he's rotated with, with, uh, with Easton Kirk in that leadoff position. Kyle Mock has been a guy that's emerged this year. I think they're playing some pretty solid defense and they're going to look at Georgia Southern probably as a top 10 RPI team going on the road this weekend, because they think that in their minds, they could still be an at-large team like Coastal coming down here. They only rose to 56, but if they continue this path, then maybe they can get in the top 40 and make the committee think maybe the Cajuns will keep sliding up. Maybe it's Texas state that takes a fall off who knows with still three weeks left. You know, four teams in the top 60, four Sunbelt te- Conference teams in the top 60, uh, six in the top 80. So you got to be proud of, of all the teams scheduling better, not only scheduling better, but winning ball games too. And I don't think people understand that. I, and I don't want to get into the RPI, but everything around you, uh, just because your team lost today, doesn't mean that you're going to fall or drop. And even if it does fall or drop, you know, you, you may not play a midweek game this week, but you may rise two points, you know, or four spots. Cajuns did that last week. I think we rose four spots without playing a, playing a game. Yeah, you can lose and go up and win and go down. It, so. It's it's just it, – it's, it's how it works, whether you're on the road or you're at home, if you win or you lose. If you can just find a way to play your best baseball – when May rolls around, going into the conference tournament, then that, that's all you can do. You let the chips fall. If you win, you win. If you don't, you did everything you could to put yourself in that spot. And what it comes down to, it really doesn't matter. I mean, we can talk about RPI. We can talk about it. No one, and I mean no one, has any clue what the committee is going to do. No. So Absolutely not. Well, Danny, let's take our, our break. We'll come back. We'll talk some midweek baseball, and then we'll get into the Sun Belt next weekend. Listen, and we're talking Craig Malasso and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Welcome back into we're talking today, Craig Malasso and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Danny, looking ahead, I know you mentioned that you guys do not have a midweek game. Uh, I do sit, show some other, uh, you know, I, I'm a little surprised Georgia State, but I guess I don't know how far it is to Montgomery that they travel to Troy. Are they on, are they on, they're not on spring break this late, are they? I can't tell you that for sure. Okay. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I just can't see them traveling to Troy, going back to Atlanta and then coming back mm-hmm. to Montgomery. So they, it, I mean, Montgomery's an hour North of Troy, so it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but I mean, Atlanta is only two hours away, so it wouldn't be okay. like it was a haul. I'm, I'm not, I'm just not sure. All right. Two hours away. That that's a little different than what I thought. All right. Good enough. Um, ULM at Louisiana Tech. I mean, I know Louisiana Tech is the team I, I love to hate more than probably anyone else right now with the dog killers up in Ruston. But uh, 
I didn't give I didn't give Little Rock a punching puncher's chance last week against Louisiana Tech and they won. It's midweek baseball. We've talked about that before. So, man, I I would love for that to happen. Um, Troy at Sanford. I don't know much about Sanford this year. They traditionally they've been a, a decent uh, baseball club. Well, Sanford did just take two out of three this weekend from Wofford, who eked into the top 25 this weekend for the first time. And that's a 30-win team already. They lead the country in stolen bases. They're crazy with their hit and run. They have more speed than just about anybody. That That's a pretty important win for Sanford. But it, it it's tough to extrapolate what happens on the weekend yeah. to the midweek because pitching is just it, – it's like you're juggling watermelons. It's it, You don't know what to think about. Total change, total change there. Uh, my hope is that the the victory, the the last victory at Texas State for South Alabama, can and launch them into a uh, another another weekday victory against Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss, yeah, that, you that's mentioned a win that they need because Southern Miss just dropped a series at home, or no, that they dropped a series in Birmingham against UAB. They went down there number four, and the tie-in with UAB. Uh, Georgia Southern's former pitching coach, B.J. Green, is now the pitching coach at UAB for former Sanford head coach Casey Dunn. They're longtime friends. They played against each other in college. So we, we follow UAB a little bit here. That That's a monster series win for them over Southern Miss. Good deal. Uh, UTA at Texas a and I'm not going to give the, the the Broncos any chance there. I'm sorry. They're, they're playing in College Station. That, that's that's something we've talked about before that but those Texas schools those midweek games are almost always against power fives and it is it is really difficult for them to rack up victories I mean for Texas State they're having they're having a great season because they've gotten their victories but for Arlington the reason why they're at or sub 500 much of the time is because of all those games that they play and I know it midweek is midweek but in the situation that Arlington's in, not a whole lot, a whole lot has gone right for them. But if they can gain ground, you would like to think you'd build some momentum in the midweek because if they don't win the tournament, they're not going anywhere. But you need to look at those midweek games as partly a rehearsal for your pitching, but also partly momentum building for the rest of your season because that's a team that's going to end the season in Statesboro for those last three. Yes. A uh, little rock. Headed to Coastal, it seems like there's a lot of, on papers, what what would be mismatches, but Little Rock, uh, they've got a Friday night guy. Coastal has three guys, evidently. The Cajuns won't face them this year. Um, uh, talk to me here. Come on. Tell me why I should think Little Rock can uh, take a game. Their batting average has taken a bit of a hit, but they're still close to 300 for the year. I think they fall into uh, third in the league behind uh, Texas State, and I think also behind Georgia State. Ironically, the last four weekends, Georgia Southern has faced a team that is top two in the league and runs scored, and Troy is always a scary offensive team. I don't care what the numbers say. They play in a ballpark with a doubles alley, so you know they're going to have a lot of extra base hits. And like what we talked about before with Little Rock, having Hayden Arnold going game one against Van Scooter, that, that, that's a really, really good pitching matchup. And knowing how much Arnold likes to use his off speed, if they can get a lead late, you know the ball's going to go to Smallwood. If they could scratch out game one, they'll have a legit chance to take the series. But if Coastal takes game one, then I would expect that to probably be a sweep because Arlington, or I'm sorry, I'm, Little Rock right. just doesn't have a whole, lot of, a whole lot of pitching outside of those two guys. They need to win game one to win a series. Uh, I agree with you there. Texas State at ULM. 
Um, ULM's at home, but Texas State has got to be, I mean, just, you know, I saw ULM, but I, I, I couldn't, you know, they, they did take one, one of the three games and the, and the Cajuns should have won that Saturday night game as well. Um, what does ULM need to do? I mean, besides slow the bats down. At this point, since you're only a half a game up from being in the bottom two, you got to figure out how to win. I, I know that Barlow's their number one. They've got Cole Crescent, a former midweek guy, as the two. And then they basically figure it out on game three, whether it's Jans or whether it's Lean. They, they've got so much of their offense back. And you feel like at some point the, the strikeouts are going to come down. They're going to start to score runs in bunches. It was a little bit earlier last year that they got hot. And then because they were in Georgia Southern's pool last year. And when Georgia State won that first game, we thought, okay, that's huge because two teams looked like front runners to win the tournament. It was ULM and it was Troy because of how hot both were going to Montgomery. Both lost their first games because they were the lower seeds. They could not win their pool. So they were playing an extra game for no reason because it didn't matter. They weren't going to progress their seasons anymore. You still have to get a little scared by ULM, but Texas State is just so good offensively. John Wuthrich is a home run wedding to happen at the plate. They've got a balanced lineup. They've got two of the better starters in the league with Wood and with Wells. I know Stivers has been hit around a little bit in that back end ever since Georgia Southern got to him twice in that series in San Marcos. But that, that that's a team. They're they're 34-11 and 11 for a reason. I know they lost today, but it's it's a regional team that's a good team. A lot more is going to have to go wrong for Texas State than it's going to have to go right for ULM if they're going to win that series. Are you a uniform guy, kind of picky and saying, ah, that's not baseball uniform? Are you, do you really? I'm talking about some of the stuff, you know, that I, today, uh, ULM and Little Rock, who allows both teams to wear black freaking jerseys? They both wore black jerseys. Both wore black jerseys today. One had pinstripe. No, uh, uh, let's see. Little Rock was at home. Is that right? Yeah, yes, so Little Rock the, was at home. It's a uniform for sure. Yeah, Little Rock was at home, so they wore white pants. And then uh, ULM wore those uh, uh, gun barrel gray or whatever you want to call them, kind of oh, bronze-looking oh, well, pants. Oh, okay, you know why they wear those. Yeah, I, I understand that. But I'm talking about they usually wear a different top with that one they, that has the same, but they both wore black tops today. I want to go punch both coaches in the face. But you can't do that because that would not be good. <laughs> You're right. But I still, I want the, Oh, but I'm sorry. I digress, but I was just, I, I meant to ask you that off air before we got started. And I figured I'm on air now. And I knew by the time this ended, I would forget again. So, but all right, moving on. Uh, Arkansas State at South Alabama. Can Arkansas State hit the ball enough? I don't think they have the pitching to slow South Alabama down. Yeah, those may need to be three games. They're about 15 to 11, but Arkansas State is capable with the bats and South Alabama's pitching, at least from a starting perspective, has not been very good. For a couple of weekends, I know that they were dominant the first part, but as we've already talked about, they've, they've been in flux for a while. Arkansas State is going to need to have high-scoring games to have a chance there because South is really good at home. I, I don't know what they're going to do outside of Boswell in game one, 
But if Arkansas State doesn't score at least seven runs per game, I, I don't know how they stick with that series. Agree. Uh, App State at uh, Georgia State, is that something – I mean, I know it's only one game, and quite honestly, they were never in the other two games. So Kevin, the Cajuns beat them down. Uh, but can App State go into Georgia State and, and slug their way out of that one? Because I, I don't know what – Georgia State is anymore, quite honestly. No, and I don't think a lot of people do. They started 10-2. They've lost nine in a row in conference, which hurts them a little bit because I think that they were a legitimate at-large team at that point. Uh, with, with App State, it seemed like the best pitching they got was from Kornatzer today, and he goes six and a third, and that was a career high for him, and I don't think Cajun fans were expecting that, especially how good Jeff Wilson has been. I, I don't know that App has enough offense on the road. It seems like their offense shines when it's at home. They are not a very good team away from Boone. And even though Georgia State's Panthersville is a launching pad, if the Panthers are going to stay out of the the playing game because they're in danger of slipping to that now, if if they're not going to get to that point, they have got to find a way to beat teams that they need to beat because they are better than App State. They just need to go prove it. I, I concur. It's just it, it's a game that I would not want to put money on either way. Uh, UTA visiting the Cajuns. Uh, I, I think the Cajuns bounce back in this one, but that's uh, but I'm being I'm biased. But at the same time, UTA I, I watched their game uh, this afternoon, part of it with uh, with Arkansas State, which I it surprised me a little bit that Arkansas State didn't hit the ball better there. Well, I'll make you feel better for even just a second. Arlington is 0-9 on the road in conference play this year. Well. So, if if anybody is watching this, feel better, you're good this weekend. <laughs> no, no. But, look, we, we talked about this with Arlington already. They were in Coastal the previous weekend. They could have won two of the games. They weren't going to win game three. They weren't going to win game two. Michael Knorr had them shut down. Game one, they were up at the bottom of the ninth inning. Game two, they were up in the sixth inning. You just got to pitch enough to win. And when you've only got one guy out of the bullpen that you trust, even though their starters have – they know who their starters are, but they're not consistent. But when you only have one guy, and that's a lot like Little Rock. They only have one guy they trust right now in Smallwood. Unless you could find other options to get outs, there's not a lot of wins that you can say that are yours until you actually get them, And if that, if that makes any sense. No, definitely. I mean, for the Cajuns, it's very simple. Can't can't walk batters, can't hit batters. Uh, and you can go back and look at this season. Uh, in, in the losses, there's probably one inning each, each game, which I know you can't take it away. But if you take away that one inning, uh, the Cajuns win those. But, again, it's easy to say if. If if was the fifth, we could all get drunk. So, <laughs> so uh, lastly. I know you've been waiting for this. Troy headed to Georgia Southern, Troy at Sanford. I know uh, it doesn't really, may not affect, uh, affect the, uh, the pitching rotation for Troy, but what does, it, what does it mean for Georgia Southern to have that extra time off before, before Troy visits? Well, they're going to be having their semester exam, so that's one thing. But these guys, they're, I mean, they're a little bit gassed. They had those long road trips. They had a five-game week. They, 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 they need a chance to just lay down, to just chill. They're going to get Monday and Tuesday off to concentrate on academics. And then 
whatever Troy brings here this weekend is going to be tough to handle. Georgia Southern has not been particularly good at Riddle Pace Field historically, but Troy on the road is a different team regardless of what the pitching is like. It's games, though, if you're Georgia Southern, if you're still going to be a top 25 team, these are games you got to handle. You just have I, to. I'm Selfishly, I hope you guys, uh, again, beat the snot out of them. Give us a little breathing room. Uh, if you'd have taken care of your business against Coastal Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean. Watch your mouth. <laughs> no. All right. Any last words of wisdom or anything we didn't touch on that you want to touch on either last week or this upcoming week? I think you do a phenomenal job touching on all the finer points in this podcast, Craig. I, I, I got to commend you for that. Well, thank you. Uh, it's easy because you do all the talking or the majority of the talking. So I'm able, in which it should be, I'm the host. I'm asking the questions. I don't mean that in any type of negative way. So I, I see that look on your face, which nobody <laughs> else will see because I, and I can't tell if you're looking up at Daryl Lynn or if you're looking, if you're kind of looking up at me going, what the hell is he talking about here? With his I do that rambling, anyway. Yeah, with his rambling, <laughs> incoherent thoughts. So. But, all right, Danny, I appreciate everything. We'll talk again next week, but we'll have another early morning. We'll have the polls will be out uh, next week uh, and everything. Have a, a good evening. Enjoy your bourbon. I might have to uh, grab one from here on out. So, Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, you've been listening to We're Talking, Craig Malasso and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.